Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tommy T, you just missed the craziest of crazies. Clubs, girls, dancing, naked, mom, argument, police, fleeing the seed, hiding in a dumpster, coming here, crashing on your couch for a week because technically I'm homeless. <laughs> Welcome to our 50th episode extravaganza with Jean-Ralphio himself, the one and only Ben Schwartz. It's the last laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. Today on the show, we're having our very own solo bolo with Ben Schwartz. Ben has always been one of my favorite comedic actors and improvisers, from his hilarious appearances on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast to his breakout role as Jean-Ralphio on Parks and Recreation, and so much more. This month, he's starring in two wildly different movies. On one end of the spectrum, he's the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. On the other, he takes on his most dramatic role yet as a struggling stand-up comedian opposite his childhood hero Billy Crystal in a really sweet new indie film called Standing Up, Falling Down. That one hits theaters and on demand this Friday. I had an absolute blast talking to Ben about how he arrived at this pivotal moment in his career and what comes next, including a version of his live improv show with Silicon Valley's Thomas Middleditch for Netflix, and the upcoming series Space Force, also on Netflix, in which he stars as a character clearly inspired by Anthony Scaramucci, opposite Steve Carell. I seriously cannot wait for that one. Whether you've listened to all 50 episodes of The Last Laugh or are just joining us for the first time today, please help us out by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash laugh to rate this podcast wherever you listen. But I am not going to make you wait any longer for this wonderful conversation with Ben Schwartz. We're going to get real comedy questions, right? You're going to ask like real comedy Yeah, we're going to get real comedy. Yeah. Real- yeah. You look good. You look very clean. Oh, oh good. Your beard is trimmed. Your yeah. head's shaved. Everything is perfect yeah, right I'm now. Yeah, I'm more trimmed than I usually am. Usually it's a little bushier. Yeah. But I tried, you know, for you. You're usually a little to... jungle to jungle. You're yeah. a little, yeah. Do you well, know that reference? <laughs> jungle that to jungle? No. There's a movie called Jungle to Jungle, I believe. In the, it's about someone that's in the jungle, I think. Am I wrong with Brendan Fraser? George of the Jungle. Hold is that on. what it's called? Jungle to Jungle. Oh, okay, never mind. It's a Tim Allen movie. I was okay. way off. <laughs> <laughs> jungle. That does look. The poster looks George very familiar. George of the Jungle is yeah. probably what I was aiming George for. George of the Jungle is, for, is Brendan Fraser, that's I believe. Correct. <laughs> I went George of the Jungle and came up Jungle to Jungle. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I know you've been doing all this Sonic press, and I definitely want to talk about that, too. But I sure. wanted to start with Standing Up, Falling Down. I would love I that. Because I just got to see that. You did? Yeah. I got to see the screener. What did you think? I loved it. It's oh. so good, man. It's, I haven't it's been able really, to talk about it anywhere. Yeah. This makes um, me very happy. Thank yeah, you for bringing I, it up. And this will come out, I think, the you know the few days before it, it premieres in oh, theaters. So please. I'm very so, yeah. happy how much press we were able to do but for Sonic. But it also, when you have an end, it's so funny when you have like a big old movie. Yeah. I went to London, Miami, New York twice, L.A., and like really worked our butts off. And then an indie movie, the whole budget of the movie was $1.5 million or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like when it comes time to um, do press, there's no yeah. money for press. Yeah. So um, this makes me very happy. I'd love to chat about it. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really great movie. It's you and, and Billy Crystal are the, yeah. are the stars. And, and he's amazing in it. Yeah. He's really great. He's like doing a whole sort of darker character than he normally yeah, does. Absolutely. You're doing something more serious than you normally do. Yeah. But it's also very funny. And you play a, a stand-up comedian or a, a, a struggling stand-up comedian in the yep. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, what was sort of the origins of this project? How did you, how did it come to you, or what was the story there? Very happy to talk about it. So it started with uh, Peter Hoare wrote the script. He, he's from Long Island, New York. A guy named Matt Ratner directed it, 
And um, what happened was that they got Billy interested, and then Billy get, had the opportunity to choose who gets to be the star opposite him. Oh, really? And yeah, and so they gave him a couple names, and he just really connected with my stuff. He said the thing, he said he, he, he knew I could be funny from some of the stuff, but I did a short film with Ben Berman, which maybe you guys know. Uh, really he just funny did the, director. yeah, the documentary he just did. On The Amazing I Jonathan. I really liked, yeah. The, who I was obsessed with yeah. as a kid. I love The Amazing Jonathan. That documentary is wild. It's insane. It's yeah. great. Uh, but he directed me in a short film called um, I'm a Mitzvah mm-hmm. that went to Sundance a long time ago. And Billy got his hands on that and saw that, and it's kind of a dramatic. That's what kind of convinced him. And he's like, "Oh, you can do the comedy, but you can also do drama." And then uh, we met, and he said, "This is the guy." And he said, "I want, I want Ben for it." Wow. And uh, they said, "Great." That's an insane honor. It is. It was ludicrous. What did huge yeah. Billy Crystal? What did fan. he mean to you growing up? Because I mean, we're around the same age, and I think he's like how old was, are you? Was pretty big. You're younger than uh, me. Thirty-five. Yeah, you're like a little baby. I'm seventy-six <laughs> oh, years wow. old. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was way off. Seventy-six years young. Um, <laughs> I am thirty-eight. He was, you know, if you watch the Oscars just happened yesterday. Yeah. We're recording this. Yeah. So like Oscars are just you mm-hmm. think of him, and then City Slickers was enormous, mm-hmm. and then I was a big NBA fan. Yeah. He did some movies that had NBA players in it. So for for me, and then uh, I think when Harry met Sally. Yeah, like a perfect. Film. Were you a big comic relief guy? Oh, you know what's funny? I never got to see a ton of it, but I knew really? about it. I was yeah. like young. That was like my favorite thing when I was oh, growing really? up. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. I've been asking him for a shirt, a shirt that says comic relief. Yeah. I love vintage shirts. Mm-hmm. I was like, can I get a shirt that yeah. says comic relief? I would always like get the thing. shirts because they would it would be like you donate. Yeah, when you, you donate, get the shirt. You get the shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they raised so much money, yeah. and it was for ho- a homeless. Yeah, effort, I believe or? so. Yeah, and it was him and Whoopi Goldberg and, uh, and, Robin, and Robin Williams, and the three of them just worked their butts off and made millions towards the aid of homeless. That was a cool show. It's incredible. Yeah, but he all that stuff was. You know, he's like a legend. He started off as stand up and then, like, he did some stuff on SNL. I don't think he was a cast member, was he? He was briefly a cast member. I think oh, he right, was when one, Chris, one when Guest yeah, was that, there. that one weird yeah. year with him and Christopher Guest. And yeah, yes. And then, um, and then he got soap and then he just exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. So, so what was it? So, when you met him for the first time, yeah, or w- had you met him before? I had never met him movie? before. I went to his office, and in his office, it's in uh, Santa Monica, and in it, the saddle from City Slickers is there on like just really? sitting there. Yeah, and then you look <laughs> to the left, and there's pictures of you know, there's there's cool. He has cool versions of posters of movies he's done, like the French version or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. His office is great, and then like to the left, it's p- pictures of him and his friends. Yeah, which you know, like it's crazy because his friends are the most famous people you've yeah. ever seen in your life. Um, but it's like in cool moments in his life and it was it, you just like you I saw him for the first time and he was Billy Crystal because I've seen his face so many times and for a second you're just like oh my god that's Billy Crystal <laughs> like there's nothing you can do and I was like oh my god that's Billy Crystal and then we started talking and, and like then that then he became a person and he's a human being and then I was able to, it was just it was great we connected immediately um, and we've become very close. I've gone to game basketball games with him. We hang out, birthday stuff we do together. He's, he's, he's. Uh, I feel very lucky uh, to have met him because he's like a part of my life now. Are you currently sexually active? What? Sexually active? You think there's an STD in my arm? Well, you know. No, I've been going around fisting strangers. I don't just find somebody and stick my entire. That would be my entire fucking forearm in there. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. It's good to know. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. just a question I have to ask. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't had sex in a while. I haven't had sex in like a couple. Okay. Like, okay. Duly noted. And he has this very mentor role for you in the movie. Yeah, that's right. Which is kind of, I imagine, uh, paralleled in, in yeah. real life and why, to some degree. All I did, I think, whenever I work, I've been very lucky where I've worked with a lot of people who I've looked up to, like uh, did a movie with Jeremy Irons and uh, Don Cheadle and just did something with Malkovich and Carell and... And I always just listen as much as I can mm-hmm. because they've done everything. They've literally done everything. Yeah. So I'll listen. He'll say like these little tidbits or I'll watch him work or we'll find a way that we work well together. Like before each scene, we'd go over it a couple of times and maybe improvise a little bit before. So mm-hmm. when we're ready to go, we're ready to go. Because in independent movies, there's no time. So while yeah. we're changing, we would kind of do the scenes. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. He doesn't ever have to do an independent movie. He's, yeah. you know what I mean? He did this because he wanted to do that's it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it made me want to do it. And then before we said yes, after we were both said we might do this, we asked if we could help with uh, the script a bit. Mm-hmm. And Peter Hoare, who was the writer, said, okay. And Matt said, okay. And we gave a whole bunch of notes. Peter came back and we wrote with him a tiny bit. And it came out, uh, I'm really, I think it's a really like good movie. Um, yeah. it's funny because it's coming 
six days after Sonic. Yeah. So it's hard to make sure people notice it, but I, I hope people yeah. do. Yeah. No, I mean, and you, you play a stand-up in it, as I, I said, do. which, uh, did you ever do, you, you did stand-up very briefly? I or did. You, yeah. Oh, you definitely researched. You're very kind. <laughs> you're a very kind person. Um, but I know, you're, I mean, you're obviously known for improv and, and right. you know, comedy in general, but yeah, so did you, did so you what was your, no, I don't do stand-up, but you I never just, tried I'm, a, I'm just a big fan. I'm, I'm, I'm too scared. I think I would... I would, uh, Do you want to? Is it is it a thing? That... No, I don't really want to. But I talk to so many stand ups that I then I, all of a sudden I'm like, should I be doing stand up? But no, just because it's been yeah. said, talk. But that's like any any pra- any time. But no, I don't anybody. really have any desire to do it. But I also am too scared to do it. Okay. If that makes sense. But you're also you're also but, petrified of doing it. Yeah, it does seem very scary. Was it scary for you when you stand up? Yeah, when I did it for the first time. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I mean terrifying. I did. I went up at Boston Comedy Club in New York. Um, I had my jokes. I was very. I just got out of college because mm-hmm. after college, I told my parents I was like, "Hey, I'm going to try to do this uh, comedy. Is it okay?" And they were very supportive. So I kind of thought, if I don't pull this off in two years, I'm that's it. I'm kind of like that's it. Yeah. So I pushed hard in any any place. I never yeah. slept. I like did everything I could. So stand up was one of the things because I saw so many of my heroes do it. Came in with a bunch of jokes and did very well that first time. But it's mm-hmm. because you have to bring six people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so people were very supportive. <laughs> you had your own oh, uh, it went, cheering section. Yeah. And so – and because the first couple of jokes go well, you get confidence and then mm-hmm. you're able to be more confident with your jokes. And and then, uh, you know, you, you, so that that happened. And then afterwards, um, they called me back after I did it twice being like, you don't have – you can come now and you don't have to bring anybody. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? They go, yeah, let's, you've done well enough in these first that two That means words. you've graduated to a certain uh, – Yeah, but I'm not like <laughs> anything. I'm still on like an open mic show. Yeah. I'm still yeah. a crappy show. It's yeah. just like – and so I waited. I was by myself. I just got out of work. I was a page at Letterman. I had like my, my backpack on me and I was looking at these jokes and waiting so long for other people to finish their stuff and watching people judge each other. And I was like, okay, and got on stage and just bo- – I mean I bombed. Yeah. Like hard bomb. <laughs> like my soul hurt bombed. I like apologized to the – crowd when i was on stage and um and i walked off and i was doing improv at the same time Mm -hmm. and when you fail in improv you kind of fail together and you kind of learn with that but when i failed by myself man you were all alone in stand-up when you fail you were all alone um and then i was like kind of splitting my time between the two and i realized that if i like um if I'm really going to keep taking class in improv and stuff, I probably should just keep concentrating on that. So I did improv and sketch instead of sticking mm-hmm. with stand-up. But I had this uh, freelance job for Letterman jokes and for Weekend Updates, so I kept writing jokes always. Mm-hmm. And I think the combination of doing improv and writing jokes for other people um, is what helped me become a better writer. Yeah, but the UCB thing, I mean, you... We're, that's a big part of this is you, you were in you got in there at the right time right I mean I think that's probably right right it was before there's a lot of people in it now and it was like I was there when like um, ASCAT there's a show called ASCAT mm-hmm. you know yeah. it, but just in case the listeners like in New York it was Amy Poehler Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, Ian Roberts were the UCB4. Then Horatio would perform. Then Tina Fey would come by. Rachel Dratch would come by like it's crazy Alf Baldwin would do monologues Mike Myers did monologues it's just Oh, and then like the other people who now become famous are Jack McBrayer, Paul Shear, Rob Hubel, mm-hmm. Rob Riggle, Rob Corgi was doing stuff then, and it's just the funniest people you've ever seen in your life, and they're all just underground this Christie's, this grocery yeah. store. So it felt like a magic moment, and then I think because of that, because we had these incredible teachers, the generation of my generation, the generation after me, and, and so on is just stacked. It's like Ellie Kemper was Bobby Moynihan. Mm-hmm. There are all these incredible people. Adam Pally, Gil Ozeri. Um, Thomas Middlelich. So it's it was a very special time to be in that theater, and it was still like people were doing crazy shows. We did crazy shows and just tried anything, uh, and it yeah. was a great place to get your voice. I'm assuming it still is, but it was I I, I it is like the birthplace of me becoming a comedian. Yeah, it's and it became this sort of breeding ground for all these shows. Well, I mean SNL, but also yep. other, all these other shows and and you know Parks and Rec, which you obviously ended up on. Yeah, there's a lot of used to be people in Parks and Rec. So how did you get jokes on SNL? So I was doing it. So I was a page for Letterman. This crazy story of how, because uh, I didn't know anybody that did this. So I, I got to be a page at Letterman, and then there's a guy named Greg Volk who was a page at me um, with me, and he was freelancing jokes, and he was kind enough to. At I was there for like a year and change, and he gave me the guy's email, Steve Young, who was the guy who did the jokes there. And he said, you know, you can email him. And I emailed Steve and he said, you know, we're not looking for anybody right now. I mm-hmm. said, okay. I go, uh, they go, he goes, but check back in with me. And I go, okay. And then I checked back in with him like a month or two before or whatever it was, a couple months before it was supposed to end. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm kind of leaving. He goes, okay, you can submit three jokes. Submit three jokes and that's it. 
and I was writing these big chunky jokes like I was doing stand up. Yeah. But then, you know, when you watch the show and I watched it for so long, Steve was like, it's a punch up. It's it's a setup and a punch up. It's yeah. A pu- setup and a joke. That's it. Yeah. Letterman doesn't do that. Weekend Update, when I wrote for Weekend Update. You can do longer bits. Yeah. So I was, because, you know, he does a lot. And so I, you realize that you learn how to write for that particular person. And then uh, I did it for Letterman and I was performing at UCB enough where I became friends with Horatio because I was an intern during yeah, ASCAP. Horatio Sands, yeah. Yep. And then Horatio Sands was like, um, you know, I could, you, they freelance for Weekend Update too. Do you want to do that? And I was like, you only get paid if you get a joke on it. So yeah. it doesn't cost them anything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's so kind. So I did it for Weekend Update. So who was the uh, anchor when you were doing it? When I got a joke on Tina Had a Baby. So it was Amy and Horatio. Oh, yeah. So Horatio His, short, his short-lived uh, Yeah, he did, he did like two or anchor. three or something like that. And he was... Is he the one who delivered your he jokes? He delivered both of my jokes. What was... The, do you remember what those were? Um, one of them was a little inappropriate, probably. The other... That's okay. Oh, the, okay. <laughs> oh, well, one of them was... Um, the one I, oh, the one that I love the reaction to was... Um, oh, fuck. I'm trying to remember. It, it was a very long time ago. Oh, um, there's a new report. There's a new study that shows... There's a new study that shows that if you have a clown inside the uh, hospital room... It raises morale and really does mm-hmm. make someone feel better, mm-hmm. proving that laughter is, in fact, the best medicine. Unless you have cancer, then you should get chemo. <laughs> and the laugh was, oh, yeah. ho, 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 ho. and then everybody laughed. And it was for someone at UCB also like to, to get one on that's kind of a fucked up joke. Yeah. It was like a huge win. And also to hear the audience be like, are we allowed to laugh? Yes, yeah. we are. And everybody went crazy. <laughs> it was a huge moment for me. So I got that joke on. And then I was, we were in Idaho because my sister married a gentleman from Idaho and we were there for something and I jumped up and down in the hotel room bed <laughs> and I hit the power button of the controller and it shut off the TV oh, no. and I grabbed the controller and I popped it back on and it went to like the hotel screen, which yeah. is like, you know, yeah, what do you want? Over, yeah. It was terrible. And I got it back on right as they were delivering my second joke. Okay. So I got two on the same exact joke. Wow. Yeah. But it was crazy. Yeah. It was, that was a huge moment. For, and my parents were in the adjoining room. And they heard me yelling, and I go, okay, joke on it, you know, because I've never gotten a joke on SNL. And that's like my the biggest bucket list thing for me has always yeah. been trying to host SNL. Yeah. So, what um, about uh, being on SNL? Was that a dream of yours? Did you ever audition or anything? No, I never. I think I uh, sent in like a, a series of my videos, mm-hmm. but I never got to audition yeah. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they now were, you've, mo- you've moved on to hosting now. You're, you're, I, would, uh, yeah, I hope uh, one yeah. day I get to host or do something. <laughs> that's like in that the very be beginning, cool. I set myself three bucket list things mm-hmm. one was to be a voice in the simpsons because that like shaped my life one was to be a guest on letterman which i got to do and then the last one was and these are like you know yeah. dream of all dreams not um, in my head I, it doesn't seem like yeah it's there maybe one day but yeah. it's not like oh my god i'm gonna do this it's like this would be the biggest this would be like i'm if i get it i'm afraid i'm just gonna cry when i get yeah. it the whole time yeah because it's like i've been working nonstop for so long and that would be the ultimate like you did it type yeah. thing. but who yeah. knows and then everything will be great and you'll feel Oh, yeah, perfect. that's yeah. what it is, it solves right? all your problems, Once you right? get either money or SNL, <laughs> everything changes and your life is better. And that's what I heard. Coming up, Ben explains how close he came to missing out on the role that transformed his career. Yes, I'm talking about Jean Ralphio on Parks and Recreation. So the other thing that I know was a big uh, sort of Part of your coming up in, in comedy is the whole comedy bang bang world. Oh yeah. Um, so I I wrote this oral history of comedy bang bang a Did few you years ago. Me? Yeah. So we very briefly yeah for that oh, I interviewed like forty people who would be on who had been on the show. That's great. Um, and I'm just such a big fan of that podcast. And I mean, and, I'm doing it tomorrow. Yeah. I shouldn't say I shouldn't spoil oh. it. When does this come out? Uh, in a, a week or two. I'm yeah, giving week, you the fucking. So, yeah. I'm giving you the juicy yeah. goose. What's Tomorrow's the, a solo bolo. Solo baby. bolo. Back. We're bringing it back. Every I kept asking Scott <laughs> when we're going to do another one, and he's like, sometime. And he always he didn't really. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and now he's like, oh, this is the perfect time because yeah. Sonic and everything. I was yeah. like, great. So we're doing solo bolo. I guess it would be called se solo se solo. Yeah, this but is I'm the, very excited. Sixth one. Yeah, yeah this will be the sixth. Wow. Yes, yeah, this will be the sixth one. Um, but I love doing it. I love doing it as myself. One because I, I get to push Scott to be the crazy person a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So because when you have crazy people, he's usually the one that has yeah, to keep everybody under control. Straight man. And, yeah, yeah, but I get to kind of play with him, and especially on those solo bolo things, mm-hmm. I push him as hard as I can. <laughs> Because it's just like two friends hanging out and singing. It's two nerdy friends who like musicals and music hanging yeah. out. and You guys sing a lot, oh, which is fun. Yeah. I love it so much. And I, I've, I've learned that it's very uh, divisive in the community where people are like, oh, fucking two little idiots singing? I don't know. <laughs> or other people are like, this is my favorite version of yeah. what this could be. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I love that you did that because it is a very – if you think about the people who have come through – It's unbelievable. Day, it is unbelievable. And people will come up to me on the street and not from – 
parks or Sonic mm-hmm. or anything, they'll be like, oh, my God, I'm mm-hmm. a huge Conan Batman fan. I love that. He's created something pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, but parks, I think, was the, the thing that really mm. brought you to a, a whole new audience. And I think it's still, I would imagine, what most people uh, come up to you about yeah. or recognize that you That is from. definitely the most. And then it's like um, House of Lies. And yeah. then it's cartoons. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? But yeah, <laughs> parks is, it's funny because parks wasn't big when it was out. And then near the end of its run, it started to get more popular. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of every season, I remember Mike was like, oh, we have no idea if we're getting picked up again. Mm-hmm. Like it was never yeah. really big. And then Netflix has made it a bigger yeah, deal now. Now it's more popular than it ever was before. It's like kids. Before. Kids yeah. will come up to me. Like mm-hmm. kids that you wouldn't even think, like 14-year-old kids. So what's the what's the story behind how you how you got that and how, how the yeah, origins so, of Jean-Ralph? Sure. So I met with Katie Dippold, who's an Upright Citizens Brigade person, mm-hmm. also has written for Paul Feig, and I've written a series of movies. Um, uh, she's just a, a brilliant writer and an incredible improviser. I do a show at Largo called Ben Schwartz and Friends, where I invite my friends, and she's in almost every single one mm-hmm. whenever she's available. So she, uh, I guess, was writing an episode or maybe I had a meeting with her, Mike Schur, about um, possibly being in the show. What I learned later was it was for the role that um, it was Amy Poehler's boyfriend, who was the cop. Mm-hmm. That was it was around that time. And so they're meeting me for that. That ended up being Louis C.K. That was Louis C.K. And then it's funny that you were up for that same role. Well, then I literally when they met me or when Mike met me, he was like, yeah, I think you're too old or you're too young for this yeah. role. But he saw me in. I did these shorts for ESPN, uh, Mm -hmm. like Sunday Conversations. It's like a thing where an interviewer interviews like an athlete in a serious way. Mm -hmm. But I did them in a really fucked up, weird way or like really unprepared. Yeah. Um, A long time ago, like like a long time ago. Um, And I guess you could say they're like like a version of like what Zach does in Between Two Ferns, which I think Mm -hmm. is the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Back then I was doing with an athlete, but not nearly as good as Zach. But like, you know, like I was a crazy, like whatever. Unprepared interviewer. It's exactly right. Or anything would tangent me and I would just talk about crazy shit. Um, And he saw those Mm -hmm. and I'm in a shirt, I'm in a suit and I'm kind of acting a little bit douchey sometimes and then sometimes really excited and sometimes. And he goes up to me and he goes, I saw these, I thought, because he's a big sports guy. Mm -hmm. Really liked you in these. Um, he goes, I want, I want you to know just because this may not be for this role might not be for you because you're a little bit too young for it. This show is like The Simpsons. There's going to be characters, yeah. you know, all over the place that that make up the town. Mm-hmm. So if something comes up, we'll, you know, we'll we'll think of you. And I said, great. And then I got a, I got the story of me getting John Ralph feels actually weird, but I I guess someone from Parks had emailed my agent's assistant at the time mm-hmm. and my agent's assistant passed without telling me about <laughs> it. I have no idea what happened. All I know is that Katie then emailed me and goes, oh, we're bummed that you're not going to do it. Oh I go, God. what are you talking about? She goes, "That you're not going to do parks. I go, I, whatever it is, what is it? I don't even know what it is. I'll do it. I don't even care what it is. <laughs> yeah. I love the show. I'll do anything you want. She goes, oh, we heard that you may be passing. I go, I ha- what are you talking about? That's whatever insane. it is, I'm in. Yeah. I said, okay. And then we. I don't know if it was someone subbing in the desk and by mistake. I don't know what yeah, happened. It was just like a I don't <laughs> know what happened, but I know that someone by mistake had almost passed on it. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if she hadn't called you? It would have been crazy. And for real. Um, maybe they said, or maybe it was taking a while for me mm-hmm. to get back, and the person yeah. just forgot to forward me that email. Yeah, but um, uh, because everybody at, at that place, all these systems have been so on it. I bet it was someone subbing for someone and just got lost. Yeah, or whatever. But um, so they said they sent it to me. It's just a paragraph. They go, it's just a paragraph. But there's mm-hmm. a chance there could be more. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a chance you could be like Aziz's good friend in it. And I said, okay, all right, great. And this is the scene where you come in as uh, Ron Swanson's yeah. assistant, yeah, right? to, yeah, to interview for Ron yeah. Swanson. And I was a little bit nervous. It's just one scene in that first episode, that's it. right? That's yeah. the whole. That's my whole character. That was my yeah. whole character. Ronald, I've done it. I found your assistant, and he's dope. His name is Jean Ralphio. Jean Ralphio, big T. Mister Swanson, two things. One, it is an absolute honor to meet you. Two. Who is that hot intern chick out there? Because honestly, (laughs) damn! Uh, Take a seat. Right. Here we go. So, Jean Ralphio. You got him right here. Leave a message after the beat. Why do I want you as my assistant? For starters, access to the illest clubs. And that's just for starters. I will work for you. I'll be on you 24-7. I'll be like your family. I'm here when you get here in the morning. Sure enough, I'll be there tucking you into bed at night. Don't worry, it's not gay. Do we have questions? I think our only question is, uh, when can you start? Right now, let's do it. Thank you for coming in. We will talk. Cool. I feel good about this. And you know, you can hit me up on Facebook anytime, day or night. You know that, right? 
Take care, buddy. Boom. And you thought that was going to be it. I thought there's a, he said there's yeah. a chance that they yeah. can come back, but this is it right now. Mm. Said, okay, Mike Sure comes down, um, which made me a little bit more nervous because the guy who created the show and the guy who wrote on the comeback and the guy who yeah. helped uh, with The Office. Legend. And he's, a, he's a genius. Was there, and I was like, okay. And so I did it, and uh, I did it pretty well, and he came up to me afterwards. He goes, you'll be coming back. And he went upstairs, I think, to continue writing whatever <laughs> episode I was going to be. Yeah. Because there must have been a chance, like, oh, if this if he's pretty good, this would be good for whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did it. And then because he said that, I felt more comfortable when they were – because that was just a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. When we were recording, I felt yeah way more comfortable. More freedom even more, to yeah, go it's for It's like it. that thing in improv. When you get your first laugh, you get that confidence to really mm-hmm. go after risks you want to take, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. So, like, when I got that laugh from Mike or, the, you know what I mean, then I really – whatever. And so that's how it started. And then I kept coming back and – uh I became more and more of a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> it was ama- it was my favorite. The words were always the funniest words. That writing staff is one of the best writing yeah. staffs of all time. Not a lot of improv for you on that show? or I improvised so, a lot. Yeah. Uh, but always did the script as is. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, we did something called a fun run. Yeah. Where they had something called a, was it a party bag or a something bag where they had like alts that you could try mm-hmm. that they had written. And then they let you do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And um, a bunch of my anything you want things went because yeah. that character kind of lended itself to yeah. be a little bit looser and crazier. Mm-hmm. But the words by themselves were always incredible. Yeah, and always the, the funniest. Scripts. And the 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 Jean Ralphio universe kind of expanded with uh, Jenny Slade and uh, oh the, G- the GRU. Winkler. Yeah, you're talking about the yeah. MCU and the GRU, yeah. <laughs> the Jean Ralphio universe, yeah. the, the the Jean Ralphio cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, then we yeah, that character grew out to yeah. be to have a sister, mm-hmm. and Henry Winkler is my father. Mm-hmm. It was, that must have been pretty great working with Henry Winkler. Oh, it was incredible. I, yeah. when he told me who was going to play my father, I was so I was so excited. Yeah. And he was so nice. I remember the day that we were recording our first scene, I hurt my back or something like that. And Henry like helped crack out my back. <laughs> and I was like, you're you're a magician. You're incredible. First day I met him. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what what was the effect of that? Obviously, um, you know, on your, you, we said your fans come up to you a lot for it, but what was the effect of Parks and Rec and that character on your career in terms of opportunities. Yeah, well, now there's a thing that I could point to, or not even that. Now there's a thing that people knew before I came in the room, which, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. So they know that, oh, you can you can do that. I've seen you do this. Yeah. So if it's something that's in the comedic world, they knew maybe I could handle it. Or um, if it's in dramatic, like, we know you can do this, can you do this? Mm-hmm. But it was a, a thing to point to, which is still a thing. It's funny because so many years later, and I've done like so so many things and that is still the thing that people are like oh that's the character that I love that me and my kids watch this every night and so it's been very cool but it it gave it gave me like um uh just my uh, just people recognized me as a comedian and actor a little bit mm-hmm. more so mm-hmm. if they saw me do improv and like well can he act and then they see me that like oh we like the way he acts here so it opened up some doors but you know it's recurring. It's not. I wasn't a lead character. Yeah. Uh, the, the that character has somehow become very popular. But yeah. I was only in twenty one episodes out of yeah. one hundred fifty or something. Very memorable though. Yeah. I don't know. I got. <laughs> I lucked out. Uh, people really liked the way I play him. I always want to make him endearing that you cared about him because he was just going to screw up every episode. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you look like he always thought he was nailing it and mm-hmm. he never meant to hurt anybody. Yeah. Then you kind of he wasn't like, just a pure jerk. Yeah, yeah. I want you to care. I want you to like him mm-hmm. while he's being an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Yep, so, but that, that helped me quite a bit because then people would see me. And so auditions that I may not have been get on before, mm-hmm. now they'll see me in parks and be like, oh, we like him. Maybe let him audition. Something. Yeah. But it never became like, let's offer him a role because of this. It was yeah. always like, all right, well, now we'll let him in the room and see what he can do. What was sort of the next big thing after that that you that you landed that maybe you, you wouldn't have otherwise? Um, House of Lies was very big because it was more dramatic. Yeah. Um, but then b- getting big movies, like it mattered, like uh, This Is Where I Leave You was a movie I did because mm-hmm. I did, I've done like 12 independent films, but doing that, there's different things. Like for my writing, uh, selling my first book was big because it helped. I've, I've published four now, mm-hmm. but selling my first movie was huge. Yeah. Selling your first screenplay is a big deal because first it gets you in the WGA, but also it shows that you can do this mm-hmm. and then people can look at that screenplay and hire you. So selling that first one led to me selling, you know, four more and punching up countless scripts and stuff like that. So the writing stuff, that first one was a very big one selling that because it's very hard to sell your first one. So that was big. And then getting my first cartoon show was huge. Mm-hmm. So like all these little things helped within the world. So getting a first studio movie was big because then all of a sudden people think about you for studio stuff, writing a feature that was big. Um, and then get, I got on the blacklist. That was a very big thing. Oh, yeah. I wrote a movie called El Fuego Caliente, which is a uh, telenovela version of Soap Dish from mm-hmm. the 90s. And it got on the blacklist. 
which and is the the list of. I mean, oh, you right. can explain it for anyone who Please. doesn't know, but yeah. yeah, it's the list of uh, unpublished screenplays every year that that comes out uh, that sort of ranked as the top uh, screenplays that haven't been haven't it, been uh, made yet. Right, it's a testament to a gentleman named Franklin Leonard who yeah. started it from nothing. And I, I believe had a, a uh, he would be better at talking about it than I, but I'll, I'll do a terrible job. But he had a series of assistants and people that read scripts all the time, mm-hmm. read all these scripts and vote on them. And then uh, he gave the ability to have people like me who maybe sold a movie, but nobody really read it before mm-hmm. to to like really amplify the idea of like, oh, this person wrote a good script. Check it out. Yeah. So that was my second script I ever wrote and so or sold, uh, not wrote, I wrote it before, but. Sanctuary ever sold because then now people can see that I was on Blacklist, read that script, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden I had a little bit more yeah. uh, room to pitch my own ideas and really push yeah. them out. I'm fascinated by the the world of punch up too because oh, yeah. it's kind I've of like this in... like uh, you know thing that people don't really talk about or I don't know if yes, you're like not so supposed weird. to talk I don't even about know if we're it. Allowed or... to. So I've yeah. done <laughs> so many roundtables. Yeah, I've done so many roundtables, but you get paid very little. I'm assuming you could talk about it. I, yeah, you get I mean, paid I don't, very you would know money. more than I would. Right, you get paid very little money uh, unless you're like one of the big ones to kind of add jokes to yeah. sc- existing scripts. Yeah. Right? So what would happen is that there'd be like uh, a movie is in the writing phase and it's. <clears throat> It's smart. You get a bunch of fun writers around a room. Mm-hmm. You read you read the script out loud, and then people work on, or you'll say your pitches with jokes. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, oftentimes when they hired me, it's either for jokes or just to see the structure of a movie. Mm-hmm. And so um, you go in, you give notes, but you're around. Like I've been around tables where like Judd Apatow is there, and so mm-hmm. like I'm like, oh, why the fuck? Why am I here? <laughs> like he's a genius. Yeah, I remember even saying that there was a there was a. Round table, and it's in all movies. Do this because yeah. the idea is why not make your? It's, yeah, you know, it's not like illegal. It's like mm-hmm. you're hiring us to anybody who wants to can say yes. And you get paid a little bit of money, and you punch up yeah. anything you want. Seems like a fun thing to do. It is fun, although after you do it for a while, you're like, oh, I'm giving away so many jokes that I can yeah. use in my own things. Um, but you know, if there's a script that what's it, you know, I remember they had just done a table read of a script, and then all the actors left, and then the, the writers were around. And Apatow was uh, not next to me, but he was, you know, like in the room somewhere. And, and it was for, uh, I forget for what movie, but so then they go, okay. And they go, uh, they go, thoughts, anybody? And nobody really says anything because, you know, you don't want to mm-hmm. be first. And they go, Schwartz, what do you, what do you think? I go, you're asking me first? Judd Apatow is here. <laughs> you're not going to ask me first. You got to ask Judd Apatow first. Uh, so, but like I did that for a lot of things, punched up a lot of different um, movies. And then, and then started doing, uh, after the movies were made, I started getting hired again, I'm sure there are people that get paid a lot of money for this, but I've always been the one that does not. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe now that I'm saying no a bit more, it'll change, but um, I would be called in for movies that are done that needed to be funnier, the shot. So I would be, do you have any ideas for ADR? So yeah. ADR is after the movie's done that someone can come on a microphone. Mm-hmm. So it's either over their shoulder yeah. where you can't see the joke or if it's an animated CG character, yeah. that's I could help that quite a bit because you can do jokes later on. That's like in a movie where someone's you know walking away and then yeah, like, exactly. there's like one more joke we thrown in. We need a beat here. Yeah. yeah, while he's walking away or in this wide shot, you can't see is there something that can punch us yeah. up or something that'll make, so I, I did that. Sometimes those are more obvious than others. But, yes, uh, yeah. but the fun thing is when I did that, I could see a movie before anybody else, which yeah, I'm a nerd fun. for movies. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Was there any one that that's, that stands out that you got to see before anyone else that you were like, oh, this is going to be well, not for big. ADR, but for uh, uh, BB8 stuff, I was the first person outside of editors to see a Force Awakens. Yeah, which that's was pretty big. It was huge. <laughs> I have a video of myself mm-hmm. sitting down before they press play. I was so excited. I was going bananas. Yeah. Um, were you, were you a huge uh, Star Wars? I'm a big guy, Star yeah. Wars fan, but now that I'm now that I've uh, been doing a little bit of stuff with them, I know that I'm not re- like yeah. there's real fans. Yeah. So I'm a fan because I love the films, but there are people who really done their. Research. I did hear that you got some jokes into uh, so 80, into a perfect ADR one, right? example is for yeah. C3PO. Yeah, the movie was done, um, but uh, there are segments that JJ is like, oh, can we punch up C3PO mm-hmm. a little bit? So I got like four or five jokes in that, um, but it's that's the biggest one. I mean, yeah. there's for the super there. fans, what what were the? Do you remember any of the jokes that? Yeah, you can, I wrote that, them down. I also the way that we did them, me and. Um, Stefan Grub, who uh, edited it, was one of the two editors on whatever, uh, on um, not Force Awakens, but um, Rise of Skywalker, which mm-hmm. is nine. I would be in the edit room with him, and um, I write, well, at first I'd watch pieces of the movie, mm-hmm. I'd write down my jokes, and then I'd go to him. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Kim and I record them as voice notes so he could plug them in so J.J. could see kind of where they were. Mm-hmm. And if J.J. liked it, you know, he'd get Anthony Were you Daniels doing a C-3PO do joke, uh, voice? Yes, or no? yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Every, I don't know that. Hard. Like that stuff. <laughs> so I have all these voice notes on my phone there. But one was... um. My favorite one was when they fall down the sand pits. Um, Oscar Isaac's character is going around and is like, uh, Finn, Finn, are you okay? Or um, what's a uh, Finn, are you okay? Uh, Ray, are you okay? And then C-3PO in the shot. So again, remember, all I see is the shot. Like he doesn't, yeah. he's not saying anything. Yeah. So I see C-3PO is coming out there and C-3PO is the easiest to make voiceover for because yeah. his mouth doesn't move. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. So it's a, it's easy. So I had him call me, you okay, you okay? And then C-3PO comes in and he goes, you didn't say my name, but I'm okay. Because <laughs> it was just perfect. He was walking in out of the background. Yeah. Um, That's so, great. But then so, a couple more. But it was it was heaven. Mm-hmm. It was like, and the fact that JJ let me be any part of any of those is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do want to touch on Sonic, even though I know you've probably no, you've talked about it You're uh, quite talk about a lot. It in a different way. Yeah, I we're going to talk tell. about it a different way. Um, I was a big Sonic uh, mm. fan growing up of the of the game. I was a Sega. I was a Sega kid, not a Nintendo kid. So. so were you a kid chameleon boy, or what were you? An altered beast boy? Were you a quack shop boy? Like, or, original Sonic. NHL Sonic. Yeah, okay, yeah, got it. yeah. Oh, yeah, Sonic. Um, I also liked uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Sure, of course. Yeah, that was a good. One. Of course, were you a um, Earthworm Jim man or no? Uh, no, not that Earthworm one. Jim is about a yeah. worm that has a superhero yeah. type body and that a gun. One, I wasn't big on NBA Jam. Was was also huge. huge. Yeah, I'm I, sure you were a big NBA Jam huge. fan. I had a Super Nintendo. David Fernandez yeah. had Genesis, so I'd go yeah. to his house play Genesis. But Super Nintendo for me was all, Street Fighter, mm-hmm. uh, NBA Live, NBA Jam. Final Fantasy two and three, uh, mm-hmm. Super Mario World. Yeah. I I was in love with that system. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did you, how did you end up play, being the voice of uh, of Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog? You asked a question that nobody's ever no. Okay, <laughs> uh, it started. It's a cool story. It started with Tim Miller who directed Deadpool. Mm-hmm. He had a, he goes. I want to have a meeting with you about a different project. He was doing something else, and uh, he had a meeting with me, and um, he was very cool. And then I saw all these Sonic dolls on Jeff Fowler's desk, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we're going to try to make a test." a little five-minute video mm-hmm. to try to sell Sonic to different studios because we're trying to give it to a studio. And I was like, oh, man. Um, and they knew I did voiceover work, and I was like, well, if you ever need me, he goes, yeah, we do. We need somebody to do the test. You would be amazing, but I got to tell you, you're not. it doesn't mean you're going to be the guy for yeah. the movie. You'd just be doing it for this. It's a favor for mm-hmm. us. Jeff Fowler was great. First day I met him, he was a nerd, great. Not nerd, you know, he's a brilliant man, mm-hmm. but he, him and I have those nerdy sensibilities where mm-hmm. we really cared about Sonic, cared about video games. Um, we cared about sneakers. We cared about cartoons. He's he's just a fucking great guy, Jeff. And so I said, okay, let's do it. I got paid, you know, close to nothing. Went in the room. Jeff shot five minutes of footage um, uh, with Reed Scott was the gentleman in the test mm-hmm. from Veep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're going to include this in either the Blu-ray or the DVD, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did what my lines were, but Jeff is like, Improvise like crazy. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. We just want this to be as funny as possible. We're trying to sell this. So yeah. the best joke, best everything wins. So I improvised a, a shit ton. I even sang a little bit in it and like did like crazy stuff in it. And then um, they put it together and they made him – even back then, Sonic was so cute. The, in the test, it was mm-hmm. like this cute little thing. It was great. Uh, and they sold it to Paramount. And then I asked my agents. I was like, oh, they sold it. What, what do we think? They go, it doesn't mean you're going to be the guy. Yeah. I was like, oh. And it was like <laughs> months of me waiting – to find out because I'm sure you know Paramount has their thing and of course mm-hmm. why wouldn't you go with a big celebrity or something like that mm-hmm. and I think during their search or as they were figuring it out they kept going to that test and they kept loving the way that I played them mm-hmm. and so anytime they were talking about someone or they heard someone uh, they just I was told that they just loved my thing so 
Uh, Neil Moritz, who did all the Fast and the Furious, Toby Ash, who was a producer, Jeff, and then eventually Paramount was like, we just got to – let's just yeah. – Ben should do it. We already got the guy. So it's one of those things we're doing a favor actually paid off. Yeah. Um, and then – so I said yes, and that was it. It must have been a, a shitload of work. The uh, It was so much more than I thought it was yeah. <laughs> because I've done a lot of voiceover. Right yeah, now. this is like, yeah, voiceover plus. hundreds of episodes of yeah. television. Hundreds, because mm-hmm. I love cartoons. Yeah. Um, but uh, we did, the, first of all, they also, they had me for six-hour records. Yeah. Or if you've ever done voiceover Didn't they like before. capture your face movements? They captured my yeah. face. I did table reads. Uh, I punched up once. Mm-hmm. We did one of those round tables. But like in terms of voiceover, I went there. I did a table read, then I went there, and I recorded all my lines into a microphone so Jeff had them how I would be delivering them so James could also see them. Then I did them with James, then James Mm -hmm. and I became friends and talked a little bit. And then um, when they came back, we did so many, so many records, A, because I wanted to make sure it was the best. I would be like, hey, can I listen to what we did yesterday? Mm -hmm. And see if I can make it better. Yeah. So I would do that every now and then with Jeff, and he he doesn't have to let me do that, and he mm-hmm. would. He'd let me see pieces of the movie just so I can see if I can think of better jokes. Or mm-hmm. uh, and the script is fucking great. The script works. It's a good movie. I'm really excited. Yeah. By now the movie's come out, so yeah. you'll see if people care. But I'm really yeah. proud of it. I thought it went really well, and I think uh, I'm happy with the way that Sonic looks and it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also Jim Carrey is so fucking. Yeah, good I was going to ask you about Jim Carrey. Have He's gotten, amazing. Have you gotten to a to hang with I him much? I never met him during shooting. I met yeah. him one day during shooting yeah. and l- immediately asked him about Ace Ventura, <laughs> like a little stupid idiot. And then afterwards during press, now I've been to yeah. London with him and stuff like that and been able to spend a little bit of time with him and he's so lovely and connects with you. He's mm-hmm. not on his phone. He looks you in the eyes yeah. he asks you a question and he's a hero of mine. So yeah. it's... I it's, can imagine. It's bananas for me that uh, there's like... Oh, I'll show you these pictures I'm allowed to post. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the time this comes out. So uh, we took pictures. We did Kelly Clarkson together. Yeah, him and James, and afterwards I like you know you put on makeup for these things and mm-hmm. take up the makeup and someone came up to me they go hey Jim's doing a photo shoot downstairs do you want to do it with him and I was like Vroot! and yeah. I like went <laughs> and the guy's like okay so we're just gonna do like this photo shoot it's like a just like pretend it's like a class photo and we took like a series of pictures maybe six pictures some of that mm-hmm. and they are like the best Im- I cannot believe I'm in pictures <laughs> with Jim Carrey and he's doing Jim Carrey things yeah. And I'm not allowed to post them until like a couple more days from oh, now. Really? So but you, people will know now if they listen to this and they go on my Instagram or whatever. Yeah. It's, these pictures are just like – that was – I saw those and I uh, – because I saw the screen afterwards. And I'm up to him. I go, I go to the photographer. Listen to me, please. And he goes, yeah. I go, I don't care about anything in my life right now except for these pictures. <laughs> Can you find a way to please <laughs> yeah, send me these I pictures? They're so – they're yeah. just like – I can't believe I'm in a picture yeah. with Jim like this. And so is that like the beginning of our press stuff too? So yeah. I just really didn't know him. Yeah. And so I have those pictures now, and I'm going to post them. Yeah, we'll share them on our uh, Instagram. Yeah, at awesome. Last Laugh Pod too. Great, check it out. Do it. Up next on the Last Laugh, we look back at some more of my favorite moments from Ben's career, including the story behind one of the funniest bits to ever air on the Oscars. So what I want to do now is usually the last. Uh, Segment of the show is going through some of the stuff we, that you've done that we didn't get to talk about. Okay. I have a very long list for you, so it's probably going to take a little oh, longer. Oh, that's great. That um, makes Because me you've feel... done a lot of amazing stuff. You're very kind. Um, I saw that your first uh, TV appearance was on Conan. Oh, yeah, what it was. You, that's can, true. What can, you tell, what can you tell us about that? <laughs> it's a great one. So some people at UCB every now and then will get pulled. I believe her name was Cecilia. I believe I forget who it was, but there's a person who would cast UCB people as like side roles in the sketches for Conan. So I got selected two times or three times. One was to play a robot because I just was six feet tall and I could fit in a robot mm-hmm. suit. I didn't have any lines; I would just move. I I was so nervous, uh, and they didn't it didn't even air. The other one was me and Gil Ozeri, who ended up being in Hot Sauce with me and mm-hmm. one of the funniest people in the world. Where pages were like pages for a political person who had done something bad. Pages I forget the sketch, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, oh no, we were. I forget, we were like a dream sequence. We were pretending to be flying. Yeah. So they cast us and we got to do that. And that was insane. Mm-hmm. It was crazy because Conan was, for me, it was Letterman. Letterman was like my dad's generation, the person I looked up to. Conan was like the cool dude. He was like the cool guy that we all watched. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's on a little bit later. So you watch Letterman. Then I'd go, I watch Letterman with my parents. And when they think I'm going to sleep, I'd watch Conan. Mm-hmm. So it was a thrill yeah. to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, an early movie role was in The Other Guys. 
mm-hmm. with uh, with Adam McKay directing. Yeah, there's a good story in that. You're picking great ones. Yeah. What's the story with that? So Allison Jones cast that, who's, uh, I think, one of the best casting directors in yeah. the world. She's cast The Office, Parks and Rec. She's cast Arrested Development. She's cast um, all the comedic Anna McKay movies, Judd Apatow movies. Yeah, she's, she's everything. She, she's a genius. Freaks and Geeks, I feel, is yep, her Freaks uh, and Geeks. Like, thing that is legendary. It's incredible. every single person uh, she is, was, she's discovered. And she's so funny. I wish she would write because she's so funny. But So she, I wrote a, when I was writing jokes for Letterman, one of my jokes got into Time Out New York is joke of the week. Mm-hmm. She in LA somehow got a subscription to Time Out New York and saw the joke and next to the joke was my face. Mm-hmm. And she called to see if I had an agent, but I didn't have any real agents, so I was a commercial agent. He got a hold of my commercial agent and said, hey, does Ben never come to LA? And I, of course, had never. But yeah. randomly that week, uh, which is a Starburns tie in a little bit too, I um, uh, had a meeting about writing for Robot Chicken. Okay. So the first time ever I was going to go to L.A. I was mm-hmm. always afraid to go to L.A. Um, and I, and so she called randomly when the next week I was going to go to L.A. So I go there. I meet her. She's the best. Like we connect so hard because I'm a nerd for all the stuff she's done. Mm-hmm. And the next day she's like, do you want to audition for Semi-Pro? I was like, with Will Ferrell? <laughs> yeah, of course I do. Okay. So I do it and I'm not right for the role and it's my first time ever auditioning for that big She was like thing. you're you're tall baby. <laughs> yeah, you can fit in this robot yeah. suit. Um so I did that and it didn't it di- I didn't get it but she then thought of me for stuff. So mm-hmm. then she cast me my first pilot called Happiness is in Everything. Mm-hmm. Um and when I got that role I thought my life had changed. I thought like once you get a TV show you that's it. That's it. Now you get to do anything. Yeah. Was not the case. Did not go. <laughs> the show did not go. It was me, Richard Dreyfus, Mary Steenburgen, and Jason Biggs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Directed by Jim Burroughs. Yeah. And That's written a big by deal. Mitch Hurwitz. Oh, my God. Yep. And Jim Valley. So it was insane. That didn't go. But we became very, very close. We became uh, friends. And mm-hmm. it was like great. And she was very supportive of me. Although I've only been cast in three things of her in my yeah. 15 year career. What were the three? Happiness isn't everything. The other guys and um, this new one, Space Force. Oh yeah, that I'm in now with John. We're gonna, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. Okay, so what she would do is she would she knew that I was writing movies, and uh, you know I had you know I just moved here. I had no money. I was renting a uh, Toyota Corolla. Um, I was sleeping on my friend's couch. I was sleeping in a tent inside of Chad Carter and Will McLaughlin's apartment. Um, <laughs> why in she, why in a tent? Because I was sleeping in my boxers on a blow-up mattress, and uh, <laughs> Chad's girlfriend at the time space. was like, eh, maybe you should put on some whatever. I said, sure. So we put a, So he goes, I got a tent. So it was like uh, very beginning <laughs> days for me. Um, and so uh, she goes, if you want a place to write, you can always write. Uh, there's room in the office in her like smaller oh, wow. office at Gower. That's nice. So I would write there. And like uh, it would be great because I got along really well with Peter Kusakis, who was there, and Ben Harris, who's a casting associate now and also casting his own stuff, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we became friends, and every now and then she asked me if I could do her a favor. And one of them would be, can you come for this role, uh, for this – I'm not considered for the role, mm-hmm. but would you come in and be the person that reads with these people because uh, I okay. want you to improvise with them. Yeah. I want to see if they can handle improv. So one of those was for Adam McKay, mm-hmm. um, and who I had become closer with afterwards because me and him were in Shanling's Basketball League. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, Basketball League and just the game he played. And so – my goal, my thing for the other guys was for the bigger roles, I would audition with people and I would try to push them away from the script. Mm-hmm. And Adam would tell them, hey, Ben will kind of take you away and back, you know, yeah. play if you can. And you and Adam could see what people could do. And Adam loved when I fucked with everybody mm-hmm. and like went away and came back. And Who were some of the people that you read with? Shit, I don't even remember. I remember being nervous for a couple of them. Um, John Leguizamo was there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who else. There's a lot. We did like a full two days of... The, the callbacks mm-hmm. um, and some women as well I auditioned for a lot of the, the women role I forget a lot I, I wish I knew by the way I should ask Allison because I bet now they're all like the most famous people in the world yeah right um, but afterwards so that was it and mm-hmm. then there's this very small role that had like a couple lines and you know they're going to cast somebody yeah. and then I think Allison must have recommended to Adam mm-hmm. what about Ben and Adam loved the way I was playing people he goes, yeah let's let Ben do it yeah um, He's like he helped us out a lot. So <laughs> it was very, he was so nice. So that was that. And then after that, after I became friends with Adam through basketball and that, then uh, I sold um, a movie with his studio and I sold a TV show with his studio. So that turned out to be yeah. great too. Another favor that worked out. That's yeah. another favor I did yeah. for free. And then That's the lesson of this podcast: is do favors. Yeah, work hard, and hopefully <laughs> something will work out. Um, you won uh, an Emmy award for I did. writing uh, Hugh Jackman's opening. 
song at the Oscars 2009. Another Starburns reference, Dan Harmon. Oh, yeah. Yep. He uh, worked with you on that. Yep. Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub, two geniuses. Uh, we wrote that musical number for Hugh Jackman, which was crazy. So specifically, I have to ask about sure. um, the part of the, the most famous part of that song, which is uh, I Haven't Seen the Reader. The Reader. I haven't seen the reader. I was gonna see it later, but I fell behind. My Batmobile took longer than I thought to design. The reader. I know I need to see the reader. I even went down to the theater, but there was a line of all the people watching Iron Man a second time. It's great. Is there a story behind that? Yes, there is. (laughs) I got so I, I I had a meeting with Hugh Jackman's production company. Um, about possibly writing comedy, comedic movies for him. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, we're also producing the Oscars. And I go, oh my God, if you ever need whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sent him my jokes from Letterman SNL. And then I sent, uh, not Hugh, but the production, John, his name was John. And um, I sent him all my short films. And they were just finding people. Like, I don't know how they found Harmon. I don't yeah. know how they found Rob. I have no idea. And we didn't know each other. I never met him before. And they go, okay, you got to go to New York in two days. I go, and I just moved here. <laughs> I had just moved to LA and I had these big shows at UCB saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I just moved here. And like, then yeah, five days later, I go back. Yeah. And it was crazy. And on the way there, I'm trying to think of what I would do. And I'm writing these ideas. And I was like, oh, it should be like a recession musical number because we were in a recession right now. And I was mm-hmm. like, it should be him like doing it with bare bones and like, you know, because he he's a song and dance man. And mm-hmm. I didn't know, but Dan Harmon and Rob Sharp had the same exact idea. Yeah. So before we met, we had the same idea. So when they came in, like, what do you think? And we talked for a second. We were immediately on the same page. Yeah. And man, Schraub is like a genius in like creation and like all these things that he did for, like he created all the backdrops and all the props. And Harmon is just... It was. I remember when I was watching Dan write. I was just like, he's so good. He's so smart. He came mm-hmm. up with so much of that. He was so smart. But so we're going through the movies and blah blah blah. And I helped out with the. Um, and then John Palermo. Uh, John Palermo was his name. John asked, "Is there any way we can get Anne Hathaway to sing in it?" And then I was like, "Oh, you know what we do at UCB? Me and my friends like someone will be in the audience, mm-hmm. and people won't know that they're part of it, and be like." Get up here or whatever, and it turns into a bit. Yeah. So I was like, maybe we do that because uh, we did that a lot with Hot Sauce. And so I wrote this whole thing for her for Frost Nixon, and she sang, and it was great. Yeah. And it went really well. And then we're going through the movies, and we're trying to pitch lyrics and going back and forth. And then it came the reader, and I go, uh, all of us, literally all of us <laughs> said, I go, well, they, and they're like, well, what, do we, what should we do? I go, I didn't read it. Did you? I didn't watch it. Did you? And Rob's like, nope. And Dan's like, nope. I, didn't. I go, none of us watched it? Go, no, it's just the one that nobody got to. And so uh, I forget whose idea it was. It probably is either Dan or Rob's. Uh, maybe it was mine. I don't think it was mine. But it was like uh, then it became a song about yeah. how Hugh Jackman's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see the reader. There's so it. much shit. And uh, we really talked about like yeah. the idea of like um, – like no superhero movies were nominated, even mm-hmm. though like Dark Knight was awesome yeah. and all that stuff. But it was a, uh, it was great, and yeah. it, it got a great reception. It went over so well. I got invited back to do the next year, but I ended up not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and a different Ben Schwartz did it, which was like a weird. <laughs> thing. That is weird. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I, I there there was interest in maybe doing the next year, and then I was like, ah, you know. It was just so good. Yeah. I was like, I kind of don't want to And we won an Emmy for it. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. Can't uh, top that. I was like, that's so crazy. Like, it's so insane that that happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah now, that's that. now the Oscars don't even have hosts. Isn't that crazy? I don't, Although, I don't like it. When Chris Rock and Steve Martin did that yeah, bit yesterday. That was, was fun. Or when Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig, like, yeah. they're genius comedian mm-hmm. people that could crush it. Yeah. Well, now they just have like surprise hosts for, for a monologue like uh, Chris Rock and Steve they Martin. so yeah. funny. Yeah. They were great. I was on a plane on the way back from New York, and so when I landed, I looked at uh, YouTube clips, and that was mm-hmm. one, and it just blew me away. Yeah. Um, so I know you just talked about this with Seth Meyers, but uh, the the Late Late Show experiments with Adam Pally. Yeah. Um, I feel like we just have to touch on that. Sure. Because that's, this is a, the, this that's is the forum, a, I feel that's like. That's a, <laughs> it was, a, a legendary so, thing. Uh, Ferguson had ended. James Corner got hired, but there's weeks, and so the Late Night or the Late Late Show staff was like um, – or the late night, I think it was probably Nick Bernstein. They're like, let's get guest hosts just so the so we don't have to show reruns. And also the idea of like we're transitioning from this to this. So mm-hmm. to show Ferguson reruns probably up to the end is probably not the way you yeah. do it. You find a way to separate it, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. So Nick Bernstein asked Adam Pally to host one of the nights. And Adam asked if I would be his co-host. And I was going to be in New York because I was doing Letterman. Yeah. I was a guest on Letterman. 
Huge blizzard. Everything was shut down. Uh, Pally said that the, the guests that they wanted, a lot of them couldn't make it. I didn't know any of that. Uh, so I got there. I said, there's no, literally zero rehearsal <laughs> for me. Yeah. Adam had to learn a lot of shit because he was hosting, you know, whatever. But for me, it was just show up. Yeah. You didn't know what you were and getting Pally into. And Pally was even like, you shouldn't. Let's just fucking just go. Whatever happens. Yeah. So we treated it like a goddamn hot sauce show. Like we yeah. just fooled around the whole time. <laughs> we were idiots. And you're in the CBS This Morning studio? Is that Charlie Rose's yeah. studio. <laughs> and no and no audience. Yeah. Right? Imagine a late night talk show with no audience. The crew, the camera crew there wasn't a late night camera mm. crew. Pally kept joking that they hated him. I don't know. I didn't get to see that part. <laughs> But we just like it was crazy. We we did it, and while it was happening, I was like, "What is happening? Yeah, this is being aired to like yeah. so many people." <laughs> did you and, think it was? I mean, it wasn't live, right? You, did you think it was going to? No, they edited air? some stuff out. There's some jokes <laughs> and stuff they edited out because they had to make it shorter. I'm sure we ran yeah. way too long. Yeah. And uh, when it was over, I was like, "God, what the fuck just?" <laughs> I literally was like, "I have no idea what just happened." Yeah, because I also just came from Letterman, mm-hmm. where it's like a very structured, very yeah. like they've been doing it for a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pally and I are being like doing this bit about Nick Cage for like three full minutes. <laughs> I can't wait for you to take that sip. You've been flirting with taking that sip all day. Not yet, though. I don't think it's coming yet. Oh, it's hot. You know, there's one of my favorite movies, Ben, is yeah. this movie called Bangkok Dangerous that Nicolas Cage is in. Is it a real film? It's a real movie. And uh, Nicolas Cage is in it, and there's like a five-minute scene where he's out on a date with um, uh, a, deaf, a deaf girl, and they're eating uh, soup in, uh, in Thailand. And he tries the soup, and for like five minutes, he keeps going like this, like, taut. <laughs> soup is hot. The soup, it's hot. Steam, steam, the soup is hot. Yeah. Do it for the full steam, five minutes. It's like a hot steam. It's too hot to drink. Commit for the full five too minutes. Too hot to drink. And then finally the deaf girl like reaches for the soup and he goes, no, 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 no. It's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was so fun. And then it went on the air. And I, I watched. I was like, oh, it was pretty fun. When it, when I, when it was over, I was like, I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. And then when it got edited together, I was like, oh, that's it's pretty fun. It's mayhem. It's like yeah. it's old school UCB. Mm-hmm. And then um, nobody really watched it. But the people who did watch it that night, like on Twitter, people were like, what the fuck? What is yeah. this? Yeah. What's happening? I was like, oh, that's cool. We have like a thing that five people watched. And then. It started to go around, but CBS took it off of everything. Yeah, it started. People would put it up no on YouTube, why. and then it would get taken down. And I have no idea why. They were, yeah, maybe they, maybe they, weren't, too they, weren't, they weren't proud of it. <laughs> I have no idea, because Nick Bernstein loves it, the guy who hired us. Yeah. Um, and then it went on the internet, and then it has this lore of, it keeps getting taken down. Yeah. So someone will talk about it in the link, and then the link will die. Yeah. And so it becomes this weird, like, when you were young and, ha- like, passed yeah. on a VHS. Yeah. That's you had, what it's, it's like you had to see it when you when you when when it was on. or you, yeah. yeah. And so I, it's now become a thing that, like, people <laughs> talk about, it and it makes me so happy because, to, uh, to, I mean, Adam had to probably work pretty hard on it because he had to host it and think of a bunch of the bits, but... In terms of the interview, nothing was planned for me. We yeah. did nothing. We just what, he's like, don't even. I go, I don't even need to know anything. Right? I'd be funnier that way. He goes, no, let's just fucking go. <laughs> and he was, he was right. Yeah, it, that seems uh, like that's kind of his mo too. With like when he has presented at award shows. Yeah, and, he just uh, does whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> he he thrives off of the audience, even burning into him. He he's yeah, like, he likes it. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned the uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix at the beginning, yes. but just to to go back to that for for one minute. Yeah. Um, we so what's the can you sort of talk about what that's going to be and that, that seems work. like a big challenge doing long form improv on yeah. on Netflix. So Middle Ditch and Schwartz is me and Thomas Middle Ditch from Silicon Valley, um, and and Godzilla, mm-hmm. and um, what it is it's long form improv. We get a suggestion at the top. We talk to the audience just at the beginning. We talk to one person that talks. Any it could be anybody. We say, what are you looking forward to? What are you dreading? Someone says, um, you know, marriage or someone says um, bar mitzvah or someone says um, my dad's funeral or something like that. Mm-hmm. We talk to them a little bit in a real way. We're not They're not saying jokey stuff mm-hmm. at us. We get a real conversation. We learn about them a little bit. And then we improvise off of whatever it is. So it could be anything. They could talk about 
They could talk about a moment in their lives. They can talk about, you know, any, it could be anything. So it really opens up because the idea with the suggestion is instead of just saying, say a word, mm-hmm. we want to get a, we're going to get more because I've learned from a bunch of different shows that I've done that, you know, if you learn about character a little bit more, that's fun to play on stage. So then after about five to seven minutes of talking to this person, although it was way longer, we usually talk to them for a while. And then in the special, we try to edit it down mm-hmm. because we didn't want to. Because that's not the get, funny part. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's like, we don't want people to think that that's the show. Right. Because uh, the show doesn't really start to say, ladies and gentlemen, we're presenting Middle Eastern mm-hmm. Schwartz. But we'll play around with the audience first because that's what you do in the tour shows to mm-hmm. loosen up the audience and show them that, hey, we're going to have, have fun. Yeah. Then explain what the show is. Then we interview this person. So I think we, we tried to edit down that stuff so people wouldn't lose interest too quickly and mm-hmm. get to see what the show, what long form yeah. really is. And then um, that's it. Nobody else talks. We may, we basically improvise for an hour straight. Mm-hmm. And um, – it's like it could be like a play or it could be like a movie. It could be anything. But we tell a full story and we play every character. Mm-hmm. Some shows have two people in it. Some shows have 20 mm-hmm. around the same table. Yeah. And we'll play every single character. Yeah. And um, you never know what it's going to happen, what it's going to be. And so that's why selling it was very difficult. Yeah. Because we'd go – we pitched everywhere and mm-hmm. Netflix was the one that was was kind enough to bite. But they'd be like, well, what is it? And they come to a show and they'd be like, this is great. We'd love your live shows. But like – you have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What if it's a real crazy show? What if it, I go, that's yeah. the joy of it. The Did whole, you tape more of them than we'll end up we airing? We taped or? four, and I think the plan is to air three out of the four. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they're not perfect shows. Yeah. I wouldn't even say. And no say, improv show is going to be perfect. Yeah. But some of, like, one of them is really fun. Like, like oh, this is like I feel like. is like mm-hmm. There's such different feels, but I think that's kind of exciting. So when yeah. anybody sees that, okay, another, another set of – Middle Eastern Schwartz special coming out. It could be anything. Yeah. And we don't really hide that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be perfect. There are going to be some points. But there are some shows that worked really well, like out of the ones we did. It's like, oh, that works well. That's a good representation of one of our shows. are, mm-hmm. And some that are fucking bananas crazy. Yeah. And some that are way slower. And so, like, you know, just put it up there and let people see what improv is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really hope yeah. people. It is coming out in the next, I mean, I think the first half of this year sometime. Yeah. Cool. Um, the the last thing I want to touch on, okay. just because I'm very excited about it, is Space Force, mm-hmm. which is uh, Greg Daniels created, and I I assume that it's somewhat inspired by Trump's Space Force. It's uh, inspired by the I- idea, idea that there's an actual Space Force that exists. Yeah. The craziest thing about this show is that we finished filming already, and like then like the Space Force, the actual Space Force, will release a picture of their cameras, <laughs> and then Greg Daniels and the crew is like, why don't we just release our cam? And I was like, oh, we're doing this while it's happening yeah, in real time. It's like, it's, yeah, I don't know it's how not many after the fact. You got you kind of got ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. We filmed it before they started announcing anything. Yeah. So what's like, the what's the what can you share about the show or what's sort um, of the idea? We haven't done a lot of press for it, so I'll yeah. say the generic stuff. But the, yeah. it's Steve Carell, John Malkovich, me, Tony Newsom, who's a great improviser, mm-hmm. Diana Silvers, who is in Booksmart, great actress. Uh, the recurring cast is Jimmy O Yang from Silicon Valley, um, Don Lake, who's a genius and had been in like all these Christopher Guest movies. He's a Toronto improviser. He's really funny in this. And I think he's going to pop like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in it as well, um, uh, as one of the main cast. And uh, so I wonder what they could So Steve Carell plays a guy named General Naird. Uh, John Malkovich plays like uh, a scientist. I play the head of the media relations. Which your name in the show is? Uh... My name in the show is Fuck Tony Scarapaducci. <laughs> Which uh, sounds sounds a little bit like uh, Anthony Scaramucci. Is there any? And in the beginning, it sounds a lot like "fuck Jerry." <laughs> so it's a lot of stuff going yeah. on in there. Was um, there any uh, Scaramucci uh, influence on your I on your character I development? I did not do my research on Scaramucci as much because I didn't want to do an impression, but mm-hmm. I did it as if it was one of these guys that. I wonder what I can say, but I did it as if one of these guys that like always wanted to be like the head of a social media thing like really put, like he mm-hmm. wanted to be like or like not even a media thing he wanted to be like the thing that pushed a brand out yeah. and really pushed it and maybe has failed in the past mm-hmm. and now this is his chance to try this to, is his big shot but i don't know if that backstory makes sense yeah <laughs> but it was it was presumably you last longer than scaramucci uh, how many days 10 days 11 10 or 11 oh, yeah. depending on how you look but at it's, it yeah i mean Carell is so funny yeah and it's a totally different yeah. character than he played in the and office it's, uh, it's him reuniting with the creator of the office it's, so it's that's the, pretty big show is big written, fucking deal it's so fucking funny the show is written so well and john malkovich crushes in it yeah i got to just wait for one of the episodes and he's just because i mean like he's such a good actor mm. that whatever situations in front of him he plays in a realistic way for his character and that is always the he's mm. so funny so it was just heaven. It was like yeah. watching, like what we said at the beginning. I was just watching pros. Yeah. 
Um, and the scripts are amazing. And the directors, Paul King directed two of them and directed Paddington and directed mm-hmm. The Mighty Boosh. And we had like all-star directors. Yeah. The show is really funny. Yeah. I'm really um, excited for that one. I can't wait. I have no idea what they're going to look like. Yeah. But I think they're shot in a beautiful way. So I'm really excited to yeah, see. That's but there'll cool. be a time when I can talk more about it. Yeah, I'm assuming, yeah. Whenever it comes out. Um, so we end every episode by asking uh, comedians, who's the person that you've worked with? Who makes you laugh the hardest? Uh, could be uh, uh, Gil Ozeri. Yeah, nobody makes me laugh like Gil Ozeri. Mm-hmm. Thomas, when we're performing, is incredible. He's definitely up there. But I've just known Gil for my whole comedic career. He is the funniest person, and it's just it's just everything. Mm-hmm. He's just the funniest person. We have been doing a bit for twelve since two thousand four for sixteen years. <laughs> One day he there's a par- I mean there's so many bits we've been doing for so long. He's not only an incredible improviser and incredible writer, but he's just a funny human. But there's mm-hmm. this bit there's a talking parrot named Alex mm-hmm. years ago that was yeah would famous talk. parrot. I remember this. Do you yeah. for real? Yeah. And he died. Yeah. And uh, I forget when he died. And I don't know how it got brought up, but the the article came out. He told me about this parrot dying, and then I brought it up a little bit later, and he pretended like he forgot. That yeah. he had just told me. <laughs> that happened 50, whatever that parrot died. I think that mm-hmm. parrot died nine years ago. Anytime, anytime I say the word Alex or I bring up parrots or birds or if I say like – or I'll be like uh, – I'll be like, yeah, well, you know, like Alex. And he goes, what happened to Alex? He <laughs> pretends like he's forgotten about it every time for the amount of years that Alex yeah. has been dead. And then he reacts as if for the first time ever he's hearing about this bird <laughs> that he cares about deeply dying. And he breaks down and he gets so upset. He goes, I can't believe you just tell me this so nonchalantly. This bird meant everything to me. <laughs> and so it became such a big thing that we started I, – I got the book, uh, the book about Alex mm-hmm. signed by the author <laughs> and I sent it to him. And then he got that and he goes, what's this book about? What happened? <laughs> it happened. And then two days later, he made a tiny coffin. <laughs> he made a tiny coffin and put real bird feathers in it and blood in it and left it outside my apartment. And I got there and it's in a box and I open it up and I go, <laughs> I call him. And I go, did you do this? And I go, do what? And I point to it. He goes, oh, no, was that Alex? And he, <laughs> he would like set himself up throughout years. That's amazing. He's so fun. There's He's one of the funniest people. One of the bit that we've been doing forever is that, oh, someone else, Megan Amram, uh, anytime she, we talked about how we like John Tesh. And so she signed up for John Tesh's newsletter. Mm-hmm. Every John Tesh newsletter she's gotten for the past 10 years, she forwards to me. <laughs> and then I respond back to her. She forwards it to me, then I forward it back to her as if she'd never seen it before being, <laughs> and say a pun about whatever title is, being like, you're going to love this, whatever. And that's been going on for years also. <laughs> but Gil, man, he just crushes me. And it's like that guy that has always crushed me. Mm-hmm. It's a great question to ask. Yeah, I'm happy great. to talk about Gil. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in and doing this. This has been so nice. I don't often get to talk about just comedy. So yeah. it's been very, I really appreciate it. Man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you so much to Ben Schwartz for being my guest on this very special 50th episode of The Last Laugh. Sonic the Hedgehog is now playing in theaters nationwide, and Standing Up, Falling Down will be in select theaters and on demand starting this Friday, February 21st. Middle Ditch and Schwartz should be hitting Netflix sometime over the next few months, but if you want to see them live, which you definitely do, you can find tour dates and tickets at middleditchandschwartz.com. If you like this show, please tell your friends and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at Claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week!
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.